welcome to Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. We are psychologists and moms. Join us as we discuss what we've figured out, what we've yet to figure out, and what there's just no figuring out. It's sure to be fun, and you may be inspired along the way. This is Inspiration from the Couch. I'm Avery. I'm Jamie. And I'm Lucy. And today we're going to talk about the pandemic experience. We're going to talk a little bit about the effects that we're seeing both personally and professionally. We're also going to offer up some inspiration that we found along the way. So we are in April of 2021. So about 13 months into this global pandemic and these really unprecedented times. And so this is our first official episode. We did an intro one. And then we decided that we really needed to start with just naming this and putting it into the room and putting it into the space because this whole podcast and everything that's going on is happening during a very unique contextual background and backdrop. So we just want to kind of put that out there to begin with. So really where we're headed today is to begin with, we wanted to talk a little bit about our experiences, both personally and professionally in the midst of the pandemic with what that struggle has been like, what we've noticed, what that journey reflecting on the journey a little bit. And then in the second part, I want to talk a little bit about how we not only survive in the pandemic, right. but how we also work towards thriving as much as possible. So kind of just starting with some validation of this is a tough situation and some thoughts and reflections on how it's been tough in, in certain ways for certain people, and then maybe ending up with some strategies, coping strategies, what we've seemed to be helpful to us, to other people, as we kind of try to make lemonade out of this hard experience. So what are you guys experiencing? Because when you think about kind of reflect over the last 13 months, are there little memories that stand out, stories that kind say, of... Even if we go back, yeah. right? So it's been fun, you know, as we were kind of thinking about this podcast and what we might share, we started reflecting like, do you remember a year ago, yes. right? Which has been kind of crazy. So we just want to like go down memory lane, I think yes. a bit. And so for y'all, like, what are some of those memories when you think about where you were of April, 2020, what was that like? It was weird. It was weird. <laughs> Say more, Jamie, about it that weird. It was so weird. It was weird. I mean, I had been literally on three different trips right up until they had shut wow. everything down in March. So I was traveling around like I typically do. And then all of a sudden, nothing. Like everything is kind of, yeah, everything is grounded. Everything is Mm -hmm. halted. It was a very weird, surreal kind of feeling deciding up. I'm not going to go into the office anymore and just driving around at the beginning of the pandemic, which I didn't do very much at all. But going out, it was just so weird not seeing any traffic. We live in the DFW. Yeah, Uh we live in the, all of us live in the Dallas area and usually there's tons of traffic. Right. But yes, it was just a weird sci-fi kind of moment. It was so Uh, weird. Just driving around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that we were supposed to all go last March, mid-March to a conference Mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C. And as we were like anticipating, I think Avery and I maybe have like a lower risk tolerance and we're like, we're out. And and Jamie's like, I'm going until they tell me I can't. Like I'm going to plan on until they which they did. We all kind of thought that that was going to be our decision. Like we kind of were still under the, we thought that we were going to get to make that call. And it started becoming more and more clear that there were lots of calls that we weren't going to make. Like lots of things were no longer going to be our decision because the conference got canceled or because air travel got canceled or school got canceled. I mean, there were a lot of things that were just taken right out of our hands. Yeah. Right. And I like to operate under denial for a while. (laughs) I'm like, no, not really. It's going to be better, you know, by 
whatever month, mm-hmm. June, you know, okay, well now end of summer. Okay. Well maybe by the holidays. I mean, it just. Oh, I remember that vividly. Yeah, it was, yeah. I was on a walk with my husband and he was like, well, you just need to understand that this is going to be around for about a year. And I looked at him and I said, you just need to understand that I am doing everything I can to get through today. So if what we're talking about is beyond tomorrow, I cannot. I mean, I, I was living right in that denial. I was like, that may be true. And he was absolutely right. right. We are a year out and things are starting to open up. But I could not hear that in March or April of last year. But could I think not. that really speaks to like all that uncertainty. Yes. Right. So like we all have school age kids. All the kids had to be at home. And it was kind of like on a week by week basis. That's right. So there was no plan. Mm-hmm. No one could even make a plan because right. we knew what was coming right. next. And we didn't have any framework. I think we all went on spring break. And they were like, we may not come back after spring break. For a week or two. What? For a week or two. Not come back after spring break. What are you talking about? And here we are a year in. And I think there are a lot of kids that have not been to school since then. And mine had like a six month spring break. Uh Pretty much. Uh Yeah. It was dark times. I mean, it was hard. It was really, really hard. So like a year ago, we were in the formal lockdown. That's right. right. So there was no going out. We were doing everything. We were all fortunate enough to be able to kind of do our jobs online. But here you're online. You're trying to wrestle kids. I remember the first few days I was at home, (laughs) right? Like I've got the kids. The Wi-Fi is going to crap because there's so many people on the network, right? The TV's blaring. And I'd done some virtual sessions with clients before, but never during a pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. So like I'm in there, the TV's blaring, kids are screaming. And then my husband comes like with the leaf blower right outside (laughs) the window, like, and I was like, Like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then like, so exhausted looking at a screen all day. I remember Mm -hmm. Lucy, your ears hurt. Oh my God. And my my ear infections. Uh Yes. Yes. And we were just like, it was overwhelming. Yeah. It's a lot trying to navigate like work and home. And I'm sure so many of our listeners can relate to that. Just so many trying to keep like some of your identities a little bit separate, you know, and and for me it was missing the structure of coming up to the office because God knows what I like the most out of anything is to sit in the corner of my room for hours and hours at a time. (laughs) And Lucy, I think you talked about this too, like the boundaries getting blurred. Like, yeah, we can meet Friday night. Who cares? Sure. Sure. So this boundary is just bleeding all over the place. What else am I doing? Uh Right. That that was like my mantra. What else are we doing? We have literally nothing else that we're doing. That was really a big part, I think, of March and April. Another thing I kind of like an image I think I'm struck with is how I was coping during that time, which for me, I will be honest, was not good. I had a toddler sized bottle of tequila that was like my (laughs) new best friend and did not do me any favors in the long run. We've since had to break up, but that's the coping I think has really had like an arc. I think there was a lot of for me, at least, poor coping at the beginning. But I don't think you were alone in this. Like one of the favorite <laughs> right. videos that yes. got passed around, like around that time was some guy, he was in the suburbs, he was yes. like on a jog and he was coming back from his jog and it was like trash day. So all the like the recycle bins were out front, but he like would lift up his neighbor's bins and there were like bottles like and bottles dozens. and bottles of beer and wine uh-huh. and hard liquor. And I think, I mean, I think I consume more alcohol during oh, yeah. that time than was normal for me. It was just a tough time. It was tough. And And so much was so difficult. I mean, I think about one time I was laying in bed, I was on my phone, my eyes hurt, and I'm trying to order groceries or I'm trying to like figure out where is there chicken available in Dallas? Because there were rushes on things like toilet paper, paper, hand sanitizer. There's a time there that Lysol, Lysol, Clorox. Clorox. Mm -hmm. I remember then thinking I didn't know how easy things were. 
before. And it was just, everything felt so hard. It was just like it the was, things it was, you took for granted. Yes. Yes. Just the simple, simple things. Like, yes. you know, what goes really well with alcohol is cheese, Jeez. which I am a big, yes. big fan strategy. of. It is. It is. I'm a big fan of cheese. And <laughs> I need that, a toddler size ball of tequila. You need a toddler size wheel of cheese. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And so I wasn't really the one to do the shopping in the house, which is such a weird thing to say, like during the pandemic, yeah. you know, during the pandemic, just in general, to say that you've got a designated shopper. shopper. <laughs> <laughs> to get out in the world and take care of business. And so one of the days that I finally, probably the first day that I finally got out of the house to come up and check my mail in the office and then decided, oh, I'll just swing by sure. spontaneously Central Market and go get myself some cheese. And then Central when I, Market is a grocery store. It is a local grocery, grocery store. store. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they've got a lovely cheese department. Yes. Uh, Central Market is not a sponsor. If you'd like to sponsor a Central Market, feel free. <laughs> They're not a sponsor of our, our podcast, but they've got a lovely cheese assortment. And so I decided, oh, I'm just going to swing by and pick something up. And then I pulled in in the parking lot and I see like these big white tents outside mm. with them, like handing out masks or gloves. Ugh. And that when there was like a line wrapped around the building. Yeah, Central huge Market, line. Yes. Out. Yeah, yeah. Everybody six feet apart. Mm. And I pulled in and saw that and it was so jarring to sure. me that I just pulled over into the parking lot and started crying and then mm-hmm. called my husband. I was like, I just want some cheese. I just, want some cheese. I just wanted I some cheese today. And I ended up not going in and just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, just went home. It was like difficult on top of difficult in a lot of different ways. And I, around that time, my mom made this comment. She said, you know, it's the same storm, but we're all in different boats. Mm-hmm. I think that that's something that certainly was true then. And it continues to be true now that this pandemic experience is similar in that we're all kind of trying to deal with the pandemic, but so different based on ages and stages and places and different places. We, the three of us kind of are in a similar stage, meaning that we're all in private practice all have children around the same age. So I think our experience was similar to one another, mm-hmm. but there are a lot of parts of the population that were very different. Right now, I'm really thinking about like college students really affected in such a different way. What have you guys kind of been seeing maybe back then or even a little bit now about the differences among groups and their experience? I mean, one of the populations that I work with are people up in age. So some of my aging clients and the pandemic for everybody is a really isolating yeah. kind of experience. I feel like for for that population in particular can be really, really hard, you know, especially if you are not living with family and then family is really nervous about coming around. And sometimes not even allowed. Yeah, right? not allowed. Time period. Absolutely. Right? For sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so that's really difficult. And then kind of mixing in with some of my aging folks, I'm not trying to, to stereotype because definitely it doesn't all apply, but not having maybe the technology skills. Sure. I think what I read the other day, technology natives. natives yes, they're not. Definitely. Been, they have not grown up alongside right. technology. Right. And so the other stuff maybe that we're used to or younger populations are used to utilizing doesn't come naturally mm-hmm. to them. And so that is sort of a barrier, I think, that they have had to try to work around. Yeah, that's been hard. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. What different boats have you seen, Lucy? I think there's that definitely the high school and college age population, yes. right? Which I just feel so much for that age group because developmentally, right? That age group is supposed to be leaving home, mm-hmm. like testing their independence, separation. getting out of the house, separation. And they had to just like pull back in, right? So all yeah. the kids who 
couldn't go off to college or had to go yeah. to college and like just stay in their room by themselves. Yes. And so normal was drastically different in a very powerful way. And I think of you know some high school kids I've worked with who were very insightful around talking about even if they're back in school in person, school has all the like business pieces, but all the fun things that mm -hmm. made the experience exciting have been just not doable. Right. That's one thing Lucy said at the very beginning of this experience. I'll never forget. She said, it's like we've situationally depressed the entire planet. We've increased this stress to this inescapable stress has just been cranked up. And then all of our coping strategies have been taxed. Like we can't go to live performances. We can't see friends. We can't hug. And so it's like, we've got all this stress and nothing to do with it. And I think that that's kind of continued for a lot of I'm thinking especially college age students and high school students that it's opening up, but there's still a lot, a lot that they're not able to do. Just so much collective grief, I think. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so much loss, loss on how we, how we used to do things and yeah. hopefully where we're moving towards eventually getting back to some sort of normalcy. But well, yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I do think that has been such an important thread through this is how do we mourn all the losses, yes. right? So things you were planning to do that you don't get to do, like milestones that yes. are being met in a very different way. Like we don't want to get stuck in there, right? Right. But but I think definitely making space that there is a huge loss that needs to be acknowledged and right. named. And that kind of idea of like big T trauma and little T trauma, like there's certainly been loss of life, big T trauma, but there's been so much other loss. And I think sometimes it's easy for me, I think for a lot of people, especially we're in this big T trauma time to like marginalize or not really pay as much attention to the small T trauma to say, well, yeah, I had to cancel a vacation, but somebody lost their grandma. So I don't really get to be sad about my lost vacation or, you know, to compare. And I think that that's been a trap for me. And for a lot of people I've talked to of the, well, it's not so bad because versus just this is hard and validating. That's kind of I think what we're even trying to offer with this conversation is just acknowledgement that it's all loss. It's all grief and it's valid. I mean, loss of a college graduation, loss of a high school senior prom, that is loss. And just voicing that, speaking that, validating that. I think different boats, I'm kind of thinking about one of the boats we've mentioned is the college age boat. And I think one thing I'm seeing a lot with college age kids is this depersonalization and derealization, um, which for if, if you don't know what that is, depersonalization is feeling like you're not quite yourself or not yourself. And derealization is feeling like you're not living in reality. And these, of course, are very jarring, scary symptoms, but they're also very, I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing those in a lot of kids. So how does that show up, right? So if someone yeah. were to be having those symptoms, like what would they specifically be reporting? Or like, I don't feel like I'm who I am. I don't feel like I'm, I know who I am. I don't feel like I'm myself or even just like, this isn't reality. I don't feel like I'm living in reality. Uh -huh. And the way I've talked about it is like, well, no wonder all of those guardrails, all of those like structuring, like you show up at school. And of course I'm Avery because everybody's saying, Hey, Avery, <laughs> or of course I'm a cheerleader because I'm on going to cheerleader practice. Like you kind of have those identities that get kind of confirmed and structured when we have to do the same thing every day. And this isn't reality. This is a really weird. Right. And it's, it's, I think we, we very much operate, I think, with sort of this notion of rituals. Yes. You know, yes. Really. Yes. And so the loss of being able to do the rituals that we used to do. So whether it's high school graduation, mm -hmm. prom, you know, developmental weddings. things, weddings, funerals, funerals, all of that. Yeah. I, I think that that just makes it so much mm. more difficult. And I think it, you know, I think for adolescents, young adults in particular, I think that 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just not ground. Like I think those are things that that really are grounding with the loss of that. It's like, they can't quite find their feet. They can't quite find their footing because there are these things that we expected. My high school seniors, for example, it's a period of letting go that lasts a whole year. They have their basketball banquet. That's the end of basketball for high school. And then they have their, this thing. And so it's kind of like a ongoing process that takes a year that they transition from being a high school student to being a college student. And now like all those rituals are gone. And so it's jarring. It's like, well, yeah. Is and that as you're what you're trying, saying? Right. And as you're trying to develop an identity, yes. I, I think not having that sort of makes it feel very wishy-washy, mm-hmm. trying to grasp at things. Mm-hmm. Who am I? What am I doing? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so much of adolescence, especially their identity comes from peer response. And and one thing my daughter said that has just really stayed with me in the middle of the pandemic isolation piece, she said, I just want to get my hair cut and go into a room where people have a reaction. And it just like oh. sat with me and I'm like, oh, babe, of course you do. I mean, you're in sixth grade. That's part of being a sixth grader is you do something and you have a reaction and that loss of reaction on a small scale, like like in her classroom with to a haircut, but even big reaction, like live performance and end of year concert, there's a lot of loss. And so we just want to kind of offer some validation to that, that it's all loss. It all deserves to be grieved and that that's okay. I think the other really interesting, you know, we were talking about different boats, right? Another interesting piece is I think we have different boats in terms of groups or life stages, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's also different boats in terms of so many individual differences. Yes. Right. So like my little 10 year old is a highly anxious kid. And so the past year has been fabulous for her. Mm. She's been happy as a clam because she's stayed at home. Like her Mm. world has been very small, which has made it easier. So I do do think you have some people, especially the more anxiety prone where the pandemic and kind of the isolation Mm. has actually felt really good. And those are the folks that I'm getting a little concerned about right now. As we start to open Mm -hmm. back up. Uh What people are calling it like that re-entry stress, that re-entry anxiety. I think the people that have kind of calibrated and settled into the pandemic lifestyle, now that things are opening up and things are a little bit more messy, like, do I do this? Do I not do this? It's not as known that they're struggling with the re-entry. They can be really stressful. You know, that's kind of a nice segue when we talk about the struggles. So if we think back, over the last year, and even thinking moving forward, how do people cope with this? Like what enables us to thrive? What enables us to survive? Yeah. And I I think we mentioned my tequila and your cheese, Cheese. Jamie, Mm -hmm. some coping strategies. And I I think that one thing that we certainly I've, I've seen, we've talked about like the structure that that's really very helpful. And I think over the last year, people have had to kind of impose that themselves, even if there's not a class that they have to show up for or the school day that they have to start, they have to kind of have this self-imposed structure that I'm going to make sure that I'm awake during the day and asleep at night, those kinds of things. I think that's been really helpful along the way. Structure, any of those general self-care habits, right? Sleep, exercise, diet, trying to get enough to eat, enough sleep, enough water. I think that those have been some kind of basics. What about you guys? What have y'all seen any unique or helpful self-care or coping strategies that you guys have seen? I think that there's also a really big piece in terms of connection, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we be intentional and creative? I mean, so that's something I've been so impressed with. And it's been pretty amazing Mm -hmm. to see over the past year is how people have shifted, Mm -hmm. how things are done to adjust, like anything from a yoga classes and these platforms like moving online to like Zoom options to virtual gatherings that people have, that as people have gotten creative to enable us to kind of connect and be in community, Mm -hmm. even if it has to be from a distance. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I think that 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 idea of almost like making lemonade out of lemons and trying to not even just survive the pandemic, but thrive. And I think we were kind of talking that you can do both. I think there have been periods of this pandemic experience for me that have been just survival. But there have been some ways that I feel like there's been some thriving, like even this podcast is a product of the pandemic in a way, our need for connection, our desire for that collaboration. Well, that's been one of the, I think another thread I've thought about is kind of the blessings that have come from the pandemic, so to speak, where for me personally, I think the biggest thing that that comes up is the past year has been so much quieter, Mm. right? So we tend to live at one of those, you know, busy, 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 right? You've got kids, you've got activities, you're constantly scheduled. And all of that kind of stopped, right? And so yes. there's there's sadness and loss in that, but there was also this opening around like, mm. ooh, I have this time and space and there's this forced stillness that I think has enabled a different sort of like reflection and kind of connecting with self, connecting with others. That's something that I actually really want to carry forward in terms yes. of how do I continue to protect some time and space and not get overly busy. It's almost that like resilience idea, right? Of making meaning out of this difficulty. And when I think about resilience, I think we have to have difficulty to build things like resilience. I mean, in order to kind of know how we get through things with strength, how we kind of push through difficulty, we have to have the difficulty. And so I think that that's been a real opportunity for each of us as individuals, but even our kids, our patients to really see like, hey, I I push through and this is what helped me do it. But being able to kind of cultivate that resilience. Yeah, I would say one of the things too for myself and probably for my kids is how do I deal with boredom? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Because so much of the pandemic is so routine. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I feel like that's an opportunity for people to get really comfortable with boredom and mm-hmm. see what can I do to get myself out of that to get something that's more stimulating. Mm-hmm. Our next podcast is actually going to be on play and humor, which I think is great because I think in, in my house, my kids and probably me and my mm-hmm. husband too gravitate more towards technology and these mindless endeavors, right? Mm-hmm. Which staves off boredom in some ways, but it's not really quite as sometimes that can be like soul sucking. Right. And so I love this idea of how do we be intentional and engaging in a different way. So we've talked about a lot of different things today. Our hope is that we can validate the different boats that people find themselves in. And we've talked a little bit about school age kids and college kids and the boats we found ourselves in, but we also want to just honor that there are lots of boats that we do not know very much about. I'm thinking about people that have navigated this situation within the context of being a person of color or having limited access to healthcare. And that there's just, I think what I'm really finding is this compassion for all of the different boats that people are finding themselves in, not only within the pandemic experience, but all of the other experiences we've had in the 2020-2021 span. And so that's one thing we're really hoping to offer going forward is some ways to cope. We've talked a little bit today about self-care. We also want to talk in future podcasts about what does that look like, right? Like what? how do we even do that self-care? Well, I think that that's one of our goals in the podcast too, is to leave you with things that feel tangible and concrete Mm -hmm. that you can walk away with. We're laughing a little bit at there's often that, that disclaimer of like, don't try this at home. And so we actually want to take the opposite approach of like, do try this at home. That's right. So real quick, we're just going to throw out one thing that came to each of us from this that that maybe you could try at home in addition to the other things we've talked about. So Avery. The thing that stays with me is the compassion, just trying to be compassionate towards yourself and be compassionate to other people. This idea of kind of like, maybe we're all just doing the best we can, but maybe I'm doing the best I can. I can have some compassion for that. And maybe the other people I see in, in my journey are doing that too. And then also some validation that this is hard because it's hard not because you're somehow doing it wrong or if you could just do it right, it'd be easy, but that it's just hard. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Jamie. 
gratitude. I would say gratitude is another tool, you know, that phrase absence makes the heart grow fonder. I think sometimes (laughs) it's absence makes the heart more grateful. Yes. You know, when I think about all of the small things that Mm -hmm. I've missed over the year. So gratitude, you know, we can sort of be grateful about really big things in our lives, but Mm -hmm. also too, just a lot of the day-to-day things that we can be grateful for. And I think zeroing in on some of that and Mm -hmm. maybe taking the time at the end of the day, just for like a minute, 30 seconds to think about something that you're grateful for, big or small can really be helpful. It shifts really your be perspective. Helpful. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Lucy? So what comes to mind for me is this idea of almost staying resourced, right? So yeah. how do we take care of ourselves? And I think that that's going to look different for everyone, but figuring out what are the practices what are the things you do in your daily life that keep you filled up, mm-hmm. like keep your tank full or your battery full, whatever analogy right. we want to use. And so that could be basic things like sleeping well, Mm -hmm. moving your body in a way that feels good to it, nourishing your body well to things like mindfulness and meditation Mm. practices, connection, you know, connecting with yourself and then space to connect with others as well. What I'm hearing you say there, Lucy, is almost like this awareness of what am I already doing? And then where's space to maybe do more? What what are some things that I could do to even take? Yeah. And quite often for many people, it's actually doing less. Like how do I do less so I can be more and kind of feel more Mm -hmm. and connect more? Absolutely. So we're not trying to add a bunch in. Sometimes it's about stripping things away. Well, thank you all for joining us, right? And we really look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Subscribe to Inspiration from the Couch wherever you access your podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. Visit us on our website at inspirationfromthecouch.com. Inspiration from the Couch.